Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Greetings. I am broadcasting today from my upper room. This is uh, the second floor of my house. Uh, It's where my home office is, and it's where we used to homeschool the kids. So I want to send you greetings. Um, As you tune in today, I just want to share a few things. First of all, I want to ask you a few questions, and I want you guys to participate since this is kind of more of a laid-back online service. Uh, First of all, how much snow did you guys get? Uh, Go ahead and put that in the comments section, and if you have any pictures, we'd love to see it. At my house, we got several inches, the perfect amount for sledding, building snowmen. So you know what my family and I are going to be doing today. We're going to be outdoors enjoying the snow. Uh, Second question is, if you could be anywhere else outside of the mountains, let's say warmer weather, where would be your destination spot? I know my my friend Gary right now is listening from Florida. Greetings, Gary. Uh, Some of you are traveling that have uh, dodged the snow. Uh, This cup right here, it says Isle of Palms, South Carolina. That's where my family and I would be if we could be anywhere just on vacation. We love Charleston because it's like four hours away and having a larger family, it's easier to do shorter trips. So that's that's kind of where we go when, when we're on vacation. So go ahead and get your Bibles, Nehemiah 1. Um, as you turn there, I just wanted to share something a little personal with you. Uh, I don't get to share it as often as I'd like, but I, I really love you guys and so thankful to be your pastor. This March will be six years, and it's just flown by. And, you know, while our world is going through so many challenges and so many people are just kind of in coast mode, I really feel like Arden First Baptist is experiencing um, a bit of a reformation. We're seeing God work and move. Uh, We're seeing him change lives. We're seeing people that would never come to the doors of a church starting to come now. We're beginning to make an impact in our community. So I just want to say thank you for being the church. Um, And thank you for being my church family. And I hope you feel the same about my family. We're a family. And as a family, uh, we stick together. We grow together. We go through the good and the bad. And I, I just want you to realize that we have survived a pandemic together. Think about that. And what that does is that brings us so much closer together. We have those memories. And years from now, as the Lord tarries, we can look back and say, do you remember what happened in 2020? Wasn't that crazy? Um, Do you remember the two-year pandemic? And we can look back and see how we rallied together. But just just giving you a report as one of the pastors of the church, the church is vibrant. Um, It's more exciting to pastor the church than ever before for me. The church is more united than it's ever been since I've been there in my six years. And I'm just excited about the days ahead. So today we're going to be in Nehemiah 1. And a little background about this message. Um, i got to give credit to where credit's due. Um, a lot of pastors have given great messages on Nehemiah. And I've been a student of Nehemiah through the years. So about 10 years ago, uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle with Life Church did a series called Change Your World in 52 Days. And that really impacted me. 
Uh, Chuck Swindoll has a lot of uh, good material. So as you guys do study on your own, I encourage you to check out uh, Craig Rochelle's series, Change Your World in 52 Days, Chuck Swindoll on the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of those books that is life-changing. It's about a man. He's not a king. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a ruler. He's not an aristocrat. He's just an ordinary guy. And this ordinary guy changes the world, and get this, in 52 days. So Nehemiah is all about changing your world in 52 days. And one day I hope to take the church through a series in Nehemiah, so maybe a little preview one day. But Nehemiah 1, go ahead and turn there. Nehemiah 1, I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to give some practical applications. But basically, today's message, if you're taking notes, is how ordinary people change the world. And I just want to reach through this camera into your living room, into your kitchen, in your car, wherever you're at. And I just want you to know that you may be ordinary like myself. You may not be the most popular. You may not be the most, you fill in the blank. But the, the, the history of scripture is God uses ordinary average people to change the world. So let's read Nehemiah. And we're going to talk about how to be an ordinary world changer. Nehemiah chapter 1. Say amen if you're in the comment section. Uh, say amen in the comment section if you're there. If you need more time, say hold up. All right, let's do it. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Chislev in the twelfth year that I was in Shushan the citadel. So I want to give you a little background information uh, as we read. Susa was the winter capital of the Persian Empire. Um, it's located about 150 miles north of the Persian Gulf in today's border between Iran and Iraq. And it was just like a fortified palace compound. So it's basically was a resident where the king could get away and, you know, an amazing place. So his winter palace. So how ironic we're having this winter snow ocean about Nehemiah and the king's palace in wintertime. All right, read on, verse 2. Then Hanani... One of the brethren came from men with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity. I asked them how they were doing, uh, basically, uh, verse 2, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. So basically, Nehemiah is like, how are the Jews doing? How are my brothers? And look at verse 3. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So before we read on, I want to kind of put you in the context. Imagine if someone asked, how was your house doing back home? Let's say you had a, another residence and they're like, well, uh, the house, had, the fence has been broken down. The house is in disrepair and robbers have been looting your house. How would you feel? This is kind of how Nehemiah felt. He's like, how are the people back in Jerusalem doing? And the report is the walls were broken down and things were not good and the people were discouraged. So this is the context. Nehemiah is getting this report and notice his response. Verse four, pause for a cup of coffee. Hmm. All right. Verse four, it says, so it was when I heard these words, listen to this, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, now I want you to listen to this prayer. 
For all my prayer warriors out there, and for those of you who aspire to have a better prayer life, this prayer is fascinating. This is one of the most beautiful prayers in Scripture. So listen to his prayer. He says, I pray, Lord of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. So listen to that. He's like, God, listen to my prayer. Look at what we're going through. And he says that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray for you now day and night. So Nehemiah was praying around the clock day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray. The word you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But listen to this promise. But if you return to me, I know God's going to speak to someone today, and he's going to say, Return to me. I just want to pause right there. We're in the middle of a scripture passage, but someone here today may, may be straying, may be following God from afar. And this promise is for you. If you'll just return to God, if you'll just return to him today, He's going he's gonna to pour out his richest blessings on you. But listen to, to the promise he gave them. But if you return to me and you keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast to the furthest parts of the heavens, yet will I gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen for a dwelling for my name, as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to your servant and to the prayer of your servant who desire your servants, who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. May God bless his word. So today I'm going to give you just a few simple points on how ordinary people like you and like myself change the world. Now listen, here, here's, here's a disclaimer. If you're extraordinary, if you're like genius IQ, if you're off the charts abilities, if you're the best looking guy or girl out there, um, <laughs> if people never thought of you ordinary, God can use you too. <laughs> okay, God can use you too. But for the majority of us who are just average ordinary, um, I've got a message of hope for you. So the first point is this. Every problem presents an opportunity in disguise. Every problem presents an opportunity in disguise. So if you look back in your Bibles at verses 1 through 3, um, Nehemiah sees a great problem. Like his fellow Jews are struggling. The city that he loves, Jerusalem, the walls have been broken down. And the people, some people have returned from captivity but it still was not enough to make any great change. Like the city lie in ruins. It lay vulnerable for people that would come and attack. And as we know Jerusalem's history, it had a history of people attacking and taking people captive and taxing them. And the list goes on and on. But I want you to get this. Nehemiah was about a thousand miles away from the issue. Think about that. A thousand miles away. And if you go back in the book of Ezra, this is Ezra chapter 7, it took Ezra and his um, entourage about four months to make the same trip from Babylon back to Jerusalem. So they had returned captives previously. It took four months. So a thousand miles away. So 
Nehemiah could have been easily dismissive of the problem. Listen, they're too far away. That doesn't really concern me. I'm here in the king's palace. I got the hookup. I mean, what does it matter what they're going through? But no, Nehemiah realized that this wasn't just a problem. This was a burden. There's a difference between a problem and a burden. Dr. Steve Kortz is a great pastor in the upstate. And I went through Tar Heel Leadership Network. And he taught us students the difference between a problem and a burden. Let me give you the difference. A problem is passing. Like you realize something is heavy on your heart and then it just goes away. A problem, when, when it comes to us, it presents its information in our mind. We think about it. Um, it, it primarily belongs to others and the situations they bring. So it's their problem, but it's not really mine. It requires little use beyond a little concern and empathy. A burden, on the other hand, is persistent. It's one of those things that cannot escape. It, it, it causes your heart just to, just to ache. Like, I feel so burdened. I, I can't shake it. And it gives you an obligation that someone's got to do something and it's got to be done now. Someone's got to make a stand and I'm that person. So Nehemiah is the person that decides to make a stand. He, he's like, you know, he was an ordinary person. He was the cupbearer. And by the way, someone put in the comment section while I, while I take another sip. What is a cupbearer? What do they do? We're going to give you a minute to fill it out. What does a cupbearer do? That is exactly right. A cupbearer pours wine into the glass, and before the king drinks it, he tastes it to make sure there's no poison in it. And according to history, Nehemiah did his job because the king that he was serving died of natural causes, according to, to history. And uh, so he did his job. So the cupbearer was just basically like a butler. But it, he was more than a butler. You could say a glorified butler because he was in the king's presence. He became often very close to the king because many people would try to take the king's life by poisoning his food or beverage. And the, and the cupbearer would taste test. And if he didn't die, then the king could have the wine. So that was basically Nehemiah's job. So he was just an ordinary guy. And just what I want to convey to you I hope this, this one thought just comes back to you over and over in this message and also this week. God likes to use ordinary people to change the world. He likes to use people like you and me, ordinary, average people. Because what happens is when an ordinary person serves an extraordinary God, God adds the extra to your ordinary, making you extraordinary. So ordinary people do extraordinary things because we're serving an extraordinary God. All right, point number two. When you face big problems, you have some big choices to make. When you face big problems, you have some big choices to make. Look at verse four. So get your Bibles. Look down at verse four. It says, so when I heard these words, what did Nehemiah do? He says, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So as we mentioned before, there were some different options. Option number one was you could basically ignore it. You know, a thousand miles away, I'm just going to sit back and relax and I'm not going to let this problem phase me. That was option one. Option two is you can blame others. The problem's not mine. You guys were idol worshipers. Hey, I'm serving the Lord. You guys broke God's law. I'm keeping it. Look at me. So you can just blame others. So ignore it. Eh. Blame others. And, all right, third option, 
is do something about it and do it now. God has brought this to my attention. Therefore, I will take action. All right, let me give you a little story. And for those of you who've been at Arden for a few years, uh, you may have heard this story before. When I was a teenager, I worked at Chick-fil-A, and that was a fun place to work. Uh, it was back in the day when they had the Biltmore Square Mall. For those of you who are outside of the Asheville area, we had this small little shopping mall called Biltmore Square. And they had a few little restaurants in the food court, but Chick-fil-A was the one. So I started working there when I was 15, and I worked my way through high school and through Bible college. And one day I was working the night shift. How many of you have ever worked night shifts in a fast food restaurant? Go ahead and put that in the comment section. What I learned working the night shift, there was a big difference between the day shift and the night shift, at least at the restaurant I worked at. The day shift were more responsible adults. These were people that were in college or they had families, they had children, and they were just trying to make ends meet. The night shift, on the other hand, these were the people that were often working so they could have more money to spend on the weekend. And you know what I mean when I say spend money on the weekend. Uh, they were more younger and more wild. And uh, so background of Chris, uh, Chick-fil-A, it's a Christian restaurant. And um, so anyways, I was happy to work there. But one night during the night shift, they started playing the worst music you could ever imagine. Not just for any restaurant, but especially for a Christian restaurant. I mean, these are lyrics... If I would say them out loud, we'd have to bleep it out because it's not appropriate for any any audience. And the thing about it is, I mean, the managers knew that this wasn't meant for a Christian organization. This this wasn't the contemporary Christian music they were playing during the day. This was they put in their own music that was not Chick Fil A approved. So I had a decision to make: was I going to let this music play, or was I going to do something about it? So at the age of probably 19, I think it was 1920, I said, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it now. So the music was upstairs, and they had like a, a, a second floor of Chick-fil-A where the offices were. So I marched upstairs. I still remember to this day. I got the CD player. I took that, you know, Hell's music out, and I put in some, it was like Christian hip-hop, something, you know, cool. And I tell you what, the night manager was so upset at me. He let me have it. He cursed me out. Everyone in the night shift was ticked off. But you know what? Something had to be done. And I decided to take a stand and do something about it. Now, looking back, could I have done it a little more gently? Maybe so. But that was Timothy at 19, 20 years old. So something has to be done. And it's got to be done now. So that was kind of the pressure Nehemiah was facing. So he noticed his response. He wept before God. He prayed and fasted for many days. And you know what? He decided, I'm going to do something. And you were like, well, I'm the only person. I'm the only man. I'm the only woman. Listen, God alone is the majority, okay? But because he wants to use you, think about it like this. You and God make a majority. God alone can handle it, but he wants to use you. So you and God alone are the majority. So if God is for you, who can go against you? So you may be in your job right now, and you may have some tough decisions to make. You may have people that are wanting you to compromise. You may have people that are wanting you to do things that are illegal, take shortcuts. And you've got to rise up like Nehemiah. Something has to be done. It has to be done now. Some of you may be in a relationship right now. I'm talking about those of you who are single, dating. 
And maybe you're making some unwise decisions. Maybe you're making decisions based upon emotions now and you know this is not only not God's will, but I'm living in sin right now. And maybe God is using this message of Nehemiah that, man, something's got to be done. It's got to be done now. So Nehemiah's case, he was going in a place of devastation and he was going to bring about restoration. So I want to pause this with the gospel moment. Here's the gospel. God takes your devastation and he gives you a hope and a promise of salvation, of forgiveness. And in your devastation, he brings about restoration. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message we have as Christians that the whole world, God made it beautiful, but it's in a state of devastation right now because of sin. But if we will confess our sin and we will repent before the God of heaven, he will enter into our devastation and through faith and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, he will bring about restoration. Amen. So let's carry on. So when you face a big problem, you've got big choices to make. Did you know, before we go to point three, did you know that God likes to use ordinary people to do what? Change the world. Ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God can make a difference. So know that ordinary people can change the world. All right, number three, and this is the final point. I want to give you guys plenty of time to go outside and play in the snow. Horizontal changes occur after we go vertical with our prayers. Now, if you look back in verse 5, and I encourage you to study it later, but Nehemiah's prayer is so beautiful. I'm just going to give you a few snapshots. Number one, it started with who God is. Notice he says, O Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God. If you're in a big problem right now, you need to start with how big God is. Because here's the thing, God is bigger than your problem. Here's the thing, God can overcome whatever you're going through. If God is for you, who can be against you? Now, here's the thing. Distrust in Him. God is much bigger than your problem. God has a plan to just trust in Him, folks. I just want you, I just want you to believe that. Oh, you're, you're the Lord of heaven. You're the God who created. You're the God who breathed and stars came into existence. You're the star-breathing God. You are the first and the last. You're the Alpha and the Mega. You're the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ, you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the bright morning star. Oh, Lord of Heaven, enter into my situation. Oh, Lord of Heaven, I'm, I'm in a mess right now, but I need you to turn my mess into a message. I need you to turn my mess into a miracle. I need you to turn my pain into a platform. Woo! <laughs> Having some revival in my upper room here. But just think about it. Oh, Lord of heaven. So he started with who God is. He had thanksgiving for God's keeping his promises. You'll read in the prayer that he reminds God of his promise. God is a promise-keeping covenant God. What promises has he given you? He has told us he will never leave us nor forsake us. He told us that he's always with us. He's told us that he's going to send his spirit into our lives and the Holy Spirit's going to be the comforter. Just claim his promises for the believer. And here's the thing. He asked God to be responsive to his prayer. He said, oh God, if you will just listen with your ears and you'll see with your eyes. In other words, God, I'm praying, but I want you to listen. Now, here's the thing, friend. I want you to know anytime you pray, God hears your prayers. And sometimes you've got to ask, what is hindering my prayer? God hears your prayer, but 
maybe if, if we're living in a lifestyle of sin, God will say, you know, I hear your prayer, but I'm not going to respond with a yes until you get that right with me. Uh, maybe, maybe you haven't fulfilled what God asked you to do last. You can't expect God to give you the next until you've done the last. So a lot of times they're saying, God, hear my prayer. And God's like, I already answered your prayer and you're not following what I told you to do yesterday. So do what God told you to do last before you ask him to give you what's next. He asked God to be responsive. He confessed his sins and repented of his sins and the sins of his people. Listen, life change starts with heart change. And this is what I encourage people. I was talking to a family member the other day and I said, listen, until someone's heart changes, nothing changes. But once your heart changes, everything changes. So what Nehemiah knew is that it had to start with repentance. If you want to change the world, you've got to start by changing Timothy's world and Judy's world and Brenda's world and Tom's world and Tim's world. God wants to enter into your world to change it. So before you change the world, start with your world. God, what do you need to change in my, my life? What do I need to confess and repent? And then Nehemiah prayed for God's favor and success in the sight of this king. He's like, God, I'm getting ready to go before the king. I'm getting ready to make this request. Please give me favor. So that's what I encourage you to do today, to get before God. And if you've got a problem, if you've got a situation, trust in him. So I want to close with this thought. And I want you guys just to wrap this in your heart, wrap this in your mind. I want you to think about it. God likes to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Whenever an ordinary person serves an extraordinary God, he adds the extra to your ordinary, making what you're doing extraordinary. So are you ordinary? Have you surrendered your life to extraordinary God? Because God likes to use ordinary world changers like you and like me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the message of Nehemiah. How you use average, ordinary people to change the world. And Father, right now, I want to pray for believers out there everywhere. So right where you're at, I, just, I know it's hard to close your eyes watching the screen, but go ahead and close your eyes. I want to pray for the believer out there. If you have any unconfessed sin in your life, just like Nehemiah prayed and confessed the sins of his people, I want you to confess your sins. Say, God, and fill in the blank. Go ahead and tell him. He already knows about it. Go ahead and tell him you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. As you continue to play, pray, there may be a believer here today that says, Timothy, I'm ordinary, but I've never surrendered my life to the service of God. I've never surrendered my, 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 myself to his purposes and his plans. So go ahead and tell him, God. Say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today that you're listening. Someone shared this video on their, their Facebook wall, on YouTube. Uh, you're just scrolling through and you realize that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're still in devastation. And as I said in the message, Jesus wants to enter into your devastation and bring about restoration. The Bible says that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. So that if you believe what he did, he died on the cross and he rose again. And you receive his forgiveness in, on your behalf. You can, you can pray to receive him in faith. So right where you're at, I want to ask you to do that. It's a prayer of faith to say, just pause right now and just say, Dear God, I do believe the good news that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I want to ask and pray that you would forgive me of all my sins. Thank you that Jesus rose the new life. I received the victory that's mine in Christ. So, Father, I choose to follow you, and I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, a few announcements before we close this out. First of all, thanks so much for worshiping with us. I would encourage you, if you haven't shared this on your Facebook wall, go ahead and do this, or YouTube. Text this to a friend. It's so amazing with digital, you can actually uh, outreach just right where you're at. So send this to a friend to say, hey, I want you to listen to this snow motion. Um, other announcement is if you have a prayer request, please email us at office at ardenfbc.com. We'd love to pray with you and for you. And if you would like to support this ministry through giving, even though we're not meeting in person, you can still give online. We have a safe and secure way to give. And that's simply by going on the website, ardenfbc.com, and you just click on the giving link, and you can set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift. And I want to thank you in advance that your gift, your generosity, fuels the mission. And I want to close with a big thank you. Um, the end of year giving just blew our church away. We're starting to look at some of the reports and different things, and you guys are getting your end-of-year statements mailed to you, but it was brought to my attention the generosity of so many of you that gave end-of-year gifts for the vision campaign. And I just want to say as your pastor, I was very thankful and also proud that you guys stepped up in such amazing ways. And if you would like to, uh, over and above your tithe, give to the vision campaign, that supports the expansion of our church, that includes fixing up our facilities and also reaching beyond the walls of the church. So thank you for your giving. Next week, God willing, if it's not snowing and we're in person, we're going to be back in the book of Acts. And I just want to encourage you to read Acts chapter 18 to get ready. I realize that it's time to get out and play and have some fun and finish that cup of coffee. So until next week, remember, the best days in Christ are not behind you. The best days are right in front.